Hi friends, Brad here, the lead pastor of a new church called The Table. This podcast is a short insight to what we do every week, and we think that long, drawn-out messages lose meaning. So over the course of this podcast, you'll find questions that we pose to our people that they'll discuss in real time. And so we would love for you to find time to reflect on these questions as well. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and check us out at thetablejoliet.org. All right. Hey, welcome to the table. We are so glad that you have joined us today on our grand opening uh, this morning. This has been so much fun getting ready for this, and we're just so glad that you're here. As you've seen when you walked in, uh, we've labeled this room the party. And the reason why is we envision this being a joyful, exuberant Jesus party where everybody belongs, and we think that you belong here this morning. So uh, we want to celebrate the fact that you're here, and we truly believe it's not just about you being here, but you are making a statement about where you stand and God's future for this community. We truly believe that the table is being planted here to help change our community and lives. And so we want to thank you for being part of that. It's going to be an interesting day. Uh, but as we start, we're going to work in a few questions today. And so this morning as we begin this, uh, if you're not a talker and you don't like people, we're going to give you the chance to just write in the note card in front of you or you can write on your phone or text somebody, whatever you want to do as you take notes. But if you're at the tables, you have guides there, we're going to pose a few questions and we would love for you to begin to discuss those things. And so this morning, as we begin, we're going to start with this question. How did you find your way to the table today? That's where we're going to start. So take a couple minutes, talk about it, and then we'll get back into it. You can have a seat. So this morning, we want to begin uh, this new series as we launch the table. We want to start a series called What Happy People Know. And if you're a lot like me, you know what makes you unhappy. Um, maybe you have a boss. Of course, in this case, I am the boss, so I guess I just make myself unhappy. But um, you know that your boss can make you unhappy. You know that uh, your kids who will constantly say, Mom, 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 like 500 times in a day, you know, could make you unhappy. But there are all these things that make us unhappy in our life. And what we find is that over time, we tend to become negative people. And so I know that for each of you, deep inside of you, there's this longing to be a happier person, right? All of us who here doesn't want to be happy. Anybody want to raise their hand on that one? Okay, and we got one. <laughs> but the truth is, uh, we want to become happy people. And so we often try to find a way out. And the way that we do that is through shallow uh, relationships, empty success, and all these different avenues that we feel kind of pull us out, even sometimes approval from wrong, all the wrong people. And so we look to those people for affirmation, for help, for happiness, but yet we continue to run in this wheel of discontentment in our life. And so today, I know that this is something that we're struggling with. So I want to talk about happiness, and we want to set the foundation for the next four weeks. So 
I want to give you just a little bit of understanding about where happiness comes from. And here's some interesting things. Happiness, um, all of us have what's called a happiness baseline. Um, scientists, believe it or not, call this your set point. So all of us, it doesn't matter who you are, have a general level of happiness that you have in your life. And it's just kind of instilled in you. And so let's put it this way. Say you win a million dollars. Or say that um, you get married or you have a child or that special someone you've been wanting to ask you out on a date asks you out. Your level of happiness will skyrocket, but over time will come back down to its general set point. The same is true when something bad happens in your life. Uh, you find out that your mother is dying from cancer or you find out that your boyfriend or your girlfriend's breaking up with you. You've all had those moments in your life where you've literally been punched in the gut, right? And so your happiness dips way down in that moment. But what they found is over time, it will come back to this general set point is what they call it, this baseline. And what's interesting is you can actually raise your baseline happiness. And so there's this key formula to becoming happy people. Y'all ready for this? We'll just give it to you and then we'll go home. How does that sound? I'm totally kidding. You're gonna be here a while. No, I'm totally kidding about that too. Happiness equals your baseline or your set point, which we just talked about, which interestingly, uh, some of us are predisposed to be happier than other people. Your genetics, check this out, your genetics make up 50% of your happiness level. So if your parents are really negative people, I feel bad for you. Uh, it's just gonna be a terrible day. But your genetics make up 50% of your happiness. So happiness equals set point plus your circumstances. And often our circumstances, like, come on, if you're like me, when you're in a rough situation, it really sets 100% of your happiness. But the truth is, circumstances only make up 10% of your happiness. So you have 50 from your genetics, you have 10% from your circumstances, which means there's 40% left. And scientists say that you can actually raise your baseline with the 40% of what they call voluntary activities. Now, I don't like that word. I don't know why. It just seems long and boring. So I call them practices. That there are practices that we can do in our life. Think about that. 40% of your life means you have a great opportunity to raise your happiness level. And they said that there are practices that we can do over the course of our lives that will make us happier people and we will raise our baseline or our set point. And I think that our practices have the potential to shape our happiness. And so this morning, as we begin to think about our baseline and our happiness, I want you just to be honest for just a second, just a second. And again, if you're not interested in talking to anybody, you can take notes on the card in front of you. You can take them in your phone. You can take screenshots of the slides, you know, whatever you're comfortable with. But if you want, you can turn to your neighbor and we're going to just spend a couple minutes on this question this morning. And it goes like this. If you could rate your own baseline happiness, on a scale of one to 10. One, I can't wait to leave this earth. And 10 being you are annoyingly happy. You ever met those people? Like, how do you get that happy? You're annoying. Uh, if you're one of those people, you're a 10. How would you define your general baseline or your set point happiness this morning? We'll come back and we'll talk about it.
know, my wife and I, Janelle, used to live in Kansas, and uh, when we first moved there, we moved into this wonderful neighborhood in Topeka. It was a beautiful home, just a beautiful, kind of a mature uh, neighborhood, and so the homes were older, but uh, I remember coming home from work my first day, and um, she said, well, I had an interesting day, and I said, well, that's great. What was interesting? She said, I met our neighbor, and um, I said, well, how did that go? And she said, well, um, she's a quaint old woman. She's quite eccentric. She wears amazing shoes. She loves flowers. Her name is Nancy, and she's negative. <laughs> and I said, wait, you mean to tell me that ne uh, negative Nancy's not a myth or a fairy tale or a fable? Like, she actually exists, and she said, yeah, she lives next to us. And so I asked her, I said, well, how did that happen? She said, well, I was out with our boys. We have two little boys, Carter and Miles, beautiful little kids. We were outside playing, and she just walks up to the fence, doesn't even say hi, and is standing there looking at us. And so I walk over and say hi, and she says, hey, I don't know if you know this, but your limbs from your trees are in my yard. She, you know, it's like, well, this is a great welcoming here, you know. And she said, well, I'm so sorry about that. You know, we just moved. We'll, we'll, you, you know, she sent the boys over to go clean up. I mean, they're like three and four, you know, going over, picking up giant limbs out of her yard. And she said, um, do you have dogs? And Janelle said, no, we have kids. I don't know. Is that close enough? Does, does that work? And um, she said, well, the neighbors before you had dogs, and they were always barking. And I don't know if you've looked at your yard, but... Um, there's holes in it, there's grass, there's no grass, it's bare. Uh, when do you think you're going to clean that up and get that straightened up? And what we found and what we discovered is that every encounter with Nancy was negative. That's right, you got it. It was absolutely negative. Everything from my son forgot my, my birthday to uh, my pine tree that's growing. Literally, she had a pine tree that went up about two feet and sideways about six and then had a little nubbin going up because our trees were hoarding all the light. That's what she said. Um, so she complained about her pine tree, uh, our falling fence, our broken windows, uh, our unmanicured yard. I mean, you name it, the robbery down the street, her friends in the hospital, it was always negative. And what I learned about Nancy over time is that every time she got up, it was almost like every time she got up, she didn't have purpose or passion unless she had a problem. Like every time that she would get up, she had to have something negative to fuel her life. And you know what, you ever met these people, like their life isn't peaceful unless they have a problem in their life? Like they wouldn't know what to do if all of a sudden everything went away. They would freak out and they would go find a problem in order to get them up in the day. You ever met these people before? And I think that so often this is a struggle for us, that sometimes, especially when it comes to social media, I don't know if you know this, but media fuels the fire by negative stories. And we dive into it. We love it. It's like, oh, look who's in trouble today. And we get really excited about that. And it's easy for us to find our passion and to find our purpose based upon problems and negativity and our unhappiness. So this morning, I want to give some advice. We were going to look at some advice, some ancient advice, and you're like, how is that relevant? Well, listen, what we go through today is what people went through yesterday. 
And, you know, when they say history repeats itself, well, that is so true. We can learn from the past. And so we're going to look at some ancient wisdom, some ancient help that will help move us to becoming generally, you know, happier people. And so we're going to look at a story. We're going to look at some words written by a guy named Paul. And if you don't know who Paul is or you don't go to church, listen, it's a really cool story. I don't have time to get it into it today, but it's in the Bible. We'll send, send you there. And, uh, but bottom line is this. Paul hates Jesus. In fact, he made it his life's mission to kill people, or excuse me, to, to kill the Jesus movement. And so what he did was he would kill people who were moved by Jesus. That's how he did it. He would just go around annihilating and killing people. And interestingly, over time, Paul encounters Jesus himself. And what's great is he decides to change his mind about the Jesus movement. So he goes back in front of the people that he's persecuting and says, hey, I think today I would like to be a church planner because I'm following Jesus now. Now, mind you, the people in front of him just lost their family members. They lost friends because this guy had just killed them. And now he's saying, I want to plant churches. And so Paul becomes this church planner. He's an entrepreneur. If you're a business person and you run a business or you started a business, you know how much energy and effort and how many problems and pressures and issues that come along with that. And so Paul writes out of this experience. This isn't like, hey, this is just good advice. I've never been here before. He's writing from his own personal experience. And he writes to a community that is going through the exact same thing that he went through. So this community, um, like Paul, finds Jesus, they follow Jesus, they invite their friends, and suddenly their backs are against the wall. Their backs are against the wall, and this is where Paul gives his advice. Because in this community, they became emotionally sick, physically unhealthy, and what was driving them, what was driving this new church was their negativity. And so out of that comes this advice. And here's what Paul says. I love it. He says, be cheerful. Say it with me now. No matter what. <laughs> be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God. Say it with me now. No matter what happens. Now, Paul is giving this advice at the end it's like when you're standing next to a loved one and they're passing away and it's like they've experienced something in life that they want to share with you. And so you're standing next to the bedside and they say, lean close. I want to just share this with you before I go. This is kind of the advice. This is the way Paul is giving this advice to this community. He says, hey, listen, you will face a no matter what kind of situation. You ever had this? Somebody's leaving, they're going across the country, or maybe somebody's passing away, or maybe you're sending your kids off to school, and you've had somebody say to you, hey, no matter what happens, has that ever ended out well for you? Like, is that a positive, like, oh, I'm feeling good about no matter what happens? And Paul's saying, listen, you will face in your life, I don't care who you are, who you follow, you will always have these situations, and no matter what happens kind of situation. And the people he is writing to start losing their community and they start losing their lives. They are literally being lined up and shot. Never mind, sorry, they didn't have gunpowder back then. Um, I think they were using knives. Um, they were using weaponry, weaponry to uh, take care of people. I don't think they had guns. But these people are losing their lives over this. 
and they begin to respond in a way that is completely unhealthy. And this is what I know about you, and this is what I know about me. And this is so true, that human nature corresponds with negative pressure. That it is in our nature that we would respond to negative pressure in a certain way. It's so interesting. I was taking my kids to soccer practice the other day. One was hurt, and he decided to put on his cleats, but he had on the best cleats because we get our cleats that play it against sports. And so I said, hey, if you all could just switch those cleats around because your brother's going to be playing and you're not, that'd be helpful. You would have thought this was a no matter what situation. We weren't out of the driveway, and he's slumping in the chair, and he's throwing a fit. The belt is up to his neck, and he's like just crying his face off because he has to give up these cleats. And Paul understands that every single day we will have something in our life when we wake up that causes pressure, it causes pain, it causes hurt. And Paul looks at us and he looks at this community that he's working with that literally are being killed. We got it pretty easy, I'm not gonna lie. We're, I mean, you're sitting in nice cushy chairs today. Paul looks at them and says, hey, I need you to push back against the pressure. Happy people know how to push back. And I love this thought because it's so groundbreaking for them in the midst of the no matter what happens kind of situation. So I'm gonna ask you one more question and then we're gonna land this plane and get you out of here. But here's the question that I want you to either think about, talk with, or take notes on is how do you push back when you're under pressure? What is your natural response to pressure? You gotta be honest now. A lot of times when I'm under pressure, I just like to fire back. I don't even think about what I'm saying. You ever do that? <laughs> Whoops. But how do you respond? What is your natural response when you find yourself under pressure? this point we've been talking about happiness and we've been talking about that you can raise your set point levels or your general baseline happiness levels and we said that oftentimes uh, we spend most of our time being fueled by negativity and that Paul has been begun to tell us that hey we need to push back against pressure especially when it's negative and so then he dives in and begins to give us what I think are the keys to becoming truly happy and so here's what he says and I love this he says be cheerful, <laughs> no matter what. Um, and I just pause when I read this because, again, when I'm in a situation that's not fun or not good or not exciting, I don't know about you, but cheerful is not the first word that comes to mind. And so when Paul says, hey, be cheerful, I'm saying, well, how in the world do you do that? And he says, hey, come on, hang on, Brad. I know you're impatient, but just hang on for a minute. Be cheerful no matter what. And this is what he says. And this is so key to everything. He says, thank God no matter what happens. Amen. Be cheerful no matter what happens. And that happens when you thank God for that. Give thanks. It begins by giving thanks. 
Now, I love this because back to negative Nancy real quick. Um, it was the... It was my wife's mission, I love this, it was my wife's mission that over time, about a year into it, she realized I can't stand spending an hour talking about negative stuff with her anymore. And so she said, I'm going to make it my mission that when I talk to her, I will spin the whole thing on her and make her be thankful for it. So Janelle went out, and of course it's fall, and the limbs are on the yard again, and she goes, hey, I don't know if you know, but your limbs are in my yard again. And so Janelle uh, stops, sends the boys over, you know. I mean, don't they have laws against that or something, like child labor laws or something? Uh, anyway, sends them over, and Janelle says, you know, I'm really sorry about the limbs, but have you ever considered that we have these beautiful, mature trees that provide shade in the Kansas heat? And could you imagine what our electrical bills would be if we didn't have these trees to cool off our houses? And so over time, Janelle started giving her things to be thankful for. She would have the boys every day go out and get the paper and put it on her porch. They would send her cards on her birthday. Uh, we would have her over for dinner. I invited her, how dumb of me, on Easter Sunday, invited her over to my house for dinner. And Janelle's like, hello, you won't even be here, but <laughs> whatever. So we invited her over. She came over for dinner, and uh, it was fantastic. And over time, she went from being negative Nancy to neighbor Nancy. And I remember, I remember it was our last day before we moved to Joliet. And she went and she stood at the same spot of the fence that she stood that first day. And she asked Janelle to come over as we were literally getting ready to leave. And she said, um, I just want you to know that I don't know what God's got planned for you guys, but wherever you're going, I'm really excited for you. And she said, um, I just want you to know that I'm thankful that I had the chance to know you and spend these years with you. She said, you are, she wasn't talking about me, she was talking about Janelle. She said, you are the best neighbor I've ever had. And so she hands this to Janelle, this god-awful, ugly-looking painting that I thought she went to Hobby Lobby and bought or something, I don't know, or Pier 1 or whatever it was. And she hands it to her, and it says, Miss Nancy. Last night I picked it up, and I thought my kids were writing on it, but then it just says Miss Nancy. And then it has her address. You can write fan mail at 32... Oh, I'm just kidding. But she says... I painted this for your family because it reminds me of you guys, and I just want you to know that I'm so thankful. And so I looked at it, and I'm like, apples, I don't know what that means, apple to eye. Flowers, definitely Janelle. Uh, this would be wrapped in weeds and thistles if I was anywhere on this. Uh, and so apples, flowers, and the blue, which was the color of our house. And she complimented, she said, I love the color that you painted your house. But she said, I just want to give this to you to let you know how thankful I am for you and your family. And uh, yeah, 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 you can clap for that. And what's so much fun is that she went from being negative to this thankful person. It only took four years, but she's thankful. <laughs> and you're saying, why is that so important that you would give thanks? And I love this thought. This is how Paul finishes the whole thing. And this is what he says. I just love this. He says, be cheerful no matter what happens. Pray all the time. Thank God or give thanks no matter what happens. And then he says this. He says, this is the way, say it with me now, 
that God wants you. This is the way that God wants you who belong in Jesus Christ. I don't know what God you serve or if you believe in God or if you have questions about God, but at the end of the day, what I love is this, is that sometimes we get this view that God is this mean ogre who wants to punish us and he always wants us to be unhappy and he's just waiting to kick us to hell, right? Anybody ever had that shoved down your throat? This guy has. But no, he gives us a new view of what God wants and he says, thank you is the way that God created you. Thank you is the posture that God made you. It was out of his love that he created you. It was out of gratitude that he created you and he expects and he wants you to be a happy person. He wants you to be thankful. In fact, this is what I want you to know today is that thank you is the way God wants you. Thank you is the way God wants you. This is a posture in how we live our lives. In fact, I think if we can get to this position where we begin to give thanks we will move forward in our lives. In fact, I know this. This is our mission. We want to guide you into a forward-moving relationship with Jesus. And you're saying, hey, I'm not here for Jesus. I'm just here because my mom made me or my friends made me. Listen, then our goal is that you would move here just moving forward in your life. Amen. We just want you, to, we want you to be a happy person that makes a difference in the world. Thank you is the way God made you. He wants you. He created you. And here's what I know, negative people never move forward in life. And so my goal today, my goal today is to literally give you a practice, which we're going to practice together before you go. Because I know a lot of times preachers give great advice and then you walk out and you forget the minute what I said, like the minute you walk out of here. So here's what we're going to do. I want to explain this to you. I noticed that in this transition of, of planning this church um, in the last couple of months has been kind of stressful. Um, you know, it's just been intense. And I noticed that there's a lot of negativity coming out of my mouth and out of my life and I, nothing positive to say about anyone or anything. So I said, I'll commit to one week. One week, I'm not going to say anything negative about anybody. And he, <laughs> it was a disaster. Um, I made it the week, but it was like a boiling pot of water with a lid on top. And oh, by the way, you got rice in it or something, you know. At the end of the week, I'm sitting in front of Janelle and it just starts spewing out of me. Like I wasn't negative, no negativity the whole week. And then all of a sudden I'm word vomiting all over her. I can't believe this person did that. And I can't believe, you know, this didn't work out. And I'm just unleashing like crazy. And I realized, wow, that's a failed experiment. That didn't work. And it really was just a goal to become happy, you know? And so... I needed something else and I came across this talk where this guy gave four practical exercises. I mean, essentially what I was doing, it's like if you take blood pressure medication, you're masking the problem, you're not really dealing with the issue. And I realized that me just not trying to be negative was just masking the problem when I really didn't deal with the heart issue, the soul issue, the created issue that God made me, the way he made me. And so I discovered this and it's so cool and I wanna teach this to you and we're gonna do it today. It starts with gratitude. I put a box in my journal. I love paper, I write. Yes, I love writing. So I put gratitude and I put a box around it. And I write down three new things, three new things, not the same thing, three new things every day that I'm thankful for. 
It can be as simple as, I love blueberries and raspberries. Which, by the way, somebody told me this week that Justin Timberlake puts blueberries in his raspberries and he calls it a brassberry, which I'm really excited about. I'm going to try that. <laughs> but it can be anything. Three new things that you're thankful for. So I write gratitude. I write three things I'm thankful for. And then I write under that in the box this word called experience. And so I spend about a few minutes thinking about the last 24 hours. And I think about where in my life did I find happiness? Did I find joy? Was an opportunity that I had that I was thankful for? Maybe it was a person that I met. And I don't write a book. I just write a few sentences about what that experience was like. And then the next part is really hard. After I get done with those two things, I go into, some of you want to call it meditation. So if you want to do yoga, if you want to center yourself for five minutes, I'm cool, whatever you want to do. I like to pray. And so a lot of times, instead of just talking at Jesus, because I like to talk at him a lot, uh, I've learned to just sit at his feet over time. And a lot of times I'll just open my hands and say, God, whatever it is you want to say today, just go ahead and say it. And I'll just sit in silence for five, six, seven minutes. I like to read stories about Jesus or scripture or the Bible, which is, which is helpful. So I'll spend a few minutes doing that. And then the last part, and I love this part, is random acts of generosity. So I think back to the day before, and it's fun. It's like exciting when you wake up. You don't know where you're going to give. You don't know where you're going to help. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know where you're going to be generous. But as you go back and you reflect on it, you're like, my goodness. I didn't know that opening the door could change somebody's life. In Chicago, that does, you know. Just being saying hi is a, a, a miracle. <laughs> but... Random acts of generosity. So I started doing these four things over the course of the month. And I feel like, I feel like, I could be wrong, that my general baseline, my set point for happiness has increased. And we find that it's out of gratitude and out of thanks that you become the best person that you're supposed to be. In fact, I, I think this is so true, that the best you begins with thank you. Your best you the happy you begins with thank you.